3 is where we'll just pick up where we left off last Sunday. I feel a lot more comfortable speaking about verse 33 uh, more than I did about the previous verses, although I can't tell you how many people were like, oh, what is he going to say about this? You know, uh, Last Sunday, uh, that was definitely a hot topic and uh, something that definitely grabbed your attention. Uh, and uh, <coughs> Awkward, to say the least, right? But uh, we are uh, in something that is uh, drives home just as, as much as as the rest of these do, and I think that it, uh, at a casual reading or casual glance at it, you may not understand exactly what uh, what the meaning is, but as we dive into it and dig it apart a little bit, I hope that you'll see uh, that it is really, uh, it really speaks to our everyday life. On January the 20th, 2017, Chief Justice John Roberts administered the presidential oath of office to Donald Trump. And by doing so, he, it was the 75th time that uh, the oath of office had been administered to a president since uh, George Washington first took it in 1789. The swearing of oaths has uh, found its way into much of our life, much of our way of life, just as the president has to take an oath before uh, to promise to protect and, pre and to uh, preserve the Constitution. Uh, men and women who join the armed forces uh, will also take an oath that uh, they will uh, defend their country and obey all the orders of those uh, over the, uh, appointed over them. Doctors take some form of an oath uh, when they are going to practice medicine. It's, generally it's the Hippocratic Oath, but uh, some form of that they promise then to treat uh, the sick and do no harm. Though the swearing of oaths is often used for serious and important events, such as uh, you know, becoming a citizen of a country or uh, defending the United States or something like that, we often see them in less significant settings. I found this to be interesting this week. The, I think I'm saying it right, the Bodleian Library in Oxford, UK, requires all of uh, its people to take an oath in order to get a library card. Across uh, on playgrounds across America, you can hear children solemnly swear to the truth using the somber words. No doubt you've said them at one point or another. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. And sometimes we add more to that, but that is uh, pretty much uh, how it goes. And we've all been there before. We've all probably said those words. We've all held someone to those words. We swore an oath. The taking of oaths and swearing oneself or another person to the truth is very commonplace today, just as it was in Bible times and back in Jesus' day. But I think if you if you study the history around it a little bit more, you'd find that during Jesus' time, swearing was even more a part of everyday life than it is today. And it had become very casual as we see it today, as we hear people say, I swear this or I swear that uh, in just everyday conversation. But in Jesus' day, it had become even more abundant and uh, it, it, uh, it found its way into conversation much easier than it does even today. And in this passage that we read, Cliff read for us, we'll come back through and read uh, very carefully through again and, and try to understand. Jesus addresses this topic of oaths and swearing. 
Again, when we talk about swearing, we're not talking about cursing and profanity and that type of swearing, but rather the swearing of an oath, as I've given you some diff uh, different uh, examples with the president and getting your library card and things like that. Like with the previous interpretations that we've seen not only in the passages before, but we see it today, uh, over the years, men misunderstood the scriptures, and Jesus comes and tells us not something new, but rather something old, and that's something that has been forgotten. Jesus, the lawgiver, the very word of God, realigns our thinking to the scriptures and to their original meaning. I have to, I feel like I, I need to hammer that in every week that we talk about this. Jesus is not saying anything new. He is telling us exactly what Moses' law meant from the very beginning. And over time, men reinterpreted and basically took a much, uh, limit, much more limited interpretation and application from the scriptures uh, and this is what Jesus is coming to correct. So let's look back in verse number 33, and we see uh, this, uh, this next one. He says, Again, you've heard that it has been said by them of old time. Again, this is very similar to how he started these different comparisons in verse number 21, talking about killing and uh, hatred. He started off each paragraph slightly different, but this one is, is very closely connected to the first way, and he's going to take two different uh, truths and and uh, and show how they've been put together and uh, I'll try to explain those to you. He says there in verse number uh, thirty-three, "Thou shalt not forswear thyself." This is the first phrase, and then the second phrase, "But shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths." Let's take a, let's just let's take a look at that just for a moment and, and try to understand what is being said. If you want to take your Bible, I've, I've given you a bunch of the different Old Testament texts. We will not turn to them all, but I would like for you to go to Le Leviticus chapter 19. <laughs> the more that we study Jesus' words, the more I see the importance that we today understand the Old Testament law. Though we don't follow it the way that the, the Jews had to follow it, uh, as far as the sacrifices and things like that. Um, and sometimes we would say that it is kind of dull and boring. It is so vital for us to understand the proper interpretation of the New Testament, especially as the way that Jesus explains it. Uh, Paul uses uh, the first five books uh, frequently in his writings, especially in uh, books such as Romans. Uh, Hebrews uses uh, a lot of Old Testament writings. So it's very important that we understand how the Old Testament is, is uh, applicable to us today. Leviticus 19 and verse number 12 is uh, where this first phrase that Jesus quoted from, he says, Thou shalt not forswear thyself. Uh, Leviticus 19 and verse 12. This is uh, uh, Moses here, uh, the, well, the Lord speaking to Moses, and then uh, him speaking to the congregation, if you look back up at the beginning of the chapter. And so he's giving a bunch of different things. This is not a re uh, a re saying of the Ten Commandments, but it has a lot of them in there. Verse 11 there about stealing, dealing falsely, lying to one another. And then verse 12, you shall not swear by my name falsely. Notice he does not say, you shall not swear by my name. He says, you shall not swear by my name falsely, or the way that Jesus says, you shall not forswear yourself. Forswear is not a word that we use 
uh, much today, but it just means to perjure yourself. Don't perjure yourself uh, when you uh, say something to God. Notice what he says there. When we, uh, verse 12, when we swear by God's name falsely, it profanes his name. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. And he goes on and talks about some other things. So this is where the first part of the passage came from. Now, if you're in Leviticus, uh, going to the book of Numbers, just the next book uh, after that, Numbers chapter 30 and verse number 2, we find the second part of the uh, of the interpretation of the teaching that Jesus is, is uh, bringing up to us. Numbers chapter 30 and verse number 2. 30 verse number 2. If you haven't found it by now, it's okay. Neither have I. And I'm supposed to be really fast at this. Numbers 30 and verse number 2. If a man, uh, actually all of chapter 30, it's just kind of extra credit for you if you want to read it later on. Pretty much all of chapter 30 is talking about vows, okay? And uh, different different ways and different times that they come into effect and ways that they're voided. Numbers chapter 30 and verse number 2 says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeded out of his mouth. The rest of the chapter talks about how a woman makes a vow and she lives in her father's house. Her father uh, can void it, uh, but if he doesn't, then she's bound to it or if she's married or if she's a widow and it goes into all these things. And then the, the main emphasis of this passage here, this whole chapter, is vowing vows to God, making an oath to God, and you will keep what you say. Ecclesiastes talks about that a lot. Uh, the, 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 the Old Testament law tells us a lot about that. Be very careful when making a vow to God or when make, swearing an oath to God because God expects us to keep it. God expects us to do or perform that which we have vowed to do. Uh, some other the places, there, there's some other readings that you can look at that, uh, that kind of undergird what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 5.33. But those are the two main ones there. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, and thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Don't swear falsely by God's name. That profanes it. It takes it light. And then uh, keep and keep the vows and oaths that you make to God. Now, let's. it helps us to, uh, to get a little bit of a historical understanding of how this was being treated during that time. Because the way that it was treated during that time is not necessarily the way that we think. So when we try to understand New Testament scripture, or Old Testament scripture for that matter, with 21st century uh, understanding and try to fit it into 21st century culture, uh, you, you, might, you might go wrong. And, and we're, very, we're in danger of going wrong very often. Swearing in the Bible was very commonplace. It was something that was uh, done very often. It was something that was, was not a negative thing much like we, we might see that today. In fact, tonight, if you'll come back, we'll, we'll be taking a look at some of these. I think that maybe the most inevitable question that, that comes out of this reading, uh, we're going to try to address tonight. You can see it there in your, in your notes, but uh, we'll come back and look at that tonight. Now, one of the first times that we see the, the uh, swearing uh, mentioned in the Bible is God doing it himself. And it's referred to in Genesis 26.3 when God swore to Abraham to do to make him a great nation, to make a great nation come from his descendants. Uh, swearing is something that God does all the time through the Bible. And again, it's not cursing and profanity. It is swearing to do something. Let's, let's, let's do a couple of definitions and let's make sure we understand what all of these things are about. Swearing is when someone takes an oath or a pledge. These are just simple dictionary definitions that will help us to make sure we're, under, we're all on the same page. 
When to swear something is to assert something that is true, or to make a promise under an oath. So what's an oath? An oath is a guarantee of the truth of something. When I make an oath, I'm not simply saying the truth, I am confirming, I am guaranteeing it, I am stamping it, saying this is truth, you can believe it because I have made an oath. You might see, you might hear someone say, uh, I swear on my, my mother's grave, or I, I swear on, as uh, Jesus said, by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. And they would, all of these different things were used to say, I confirm that this is true. You could just say it, but it's, it's to confirm, to emphasize that, that what I'm saying is true. Now, there's a reason that that was had to be done, because we're all filthy liars sometimes, aren't we? we? We like to say things that aren't necessarily true, or we use deceit to say things that, uh, maybe it's not all the way wrong, but it's not all the truth either. Uh, we, we learned this first when we were young children, and our moms uh, asked us to do something or told us to do something. We didn't do it, and we, we tried to bend the truth so that we got out of as much punishment as we probably deserve, if not more. And we learned to uh, listen to the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. I told you not to hit your brother, but you didn't say I couldn't kick him. Uh, I told you to wake him up. Yeah, but you didn't say how I shouldn't wake him up by hitting him with things. Or uh, as I would do, plug his nose and club cover his mouth and then breathe on his eyeballs or things like that. That would, that would, uh, all these things, well, oh, that's not what I meant. Well, that, but that's not what you said. And so we've learned to kind of work these things in. And this is what, uh, this is how they did it with this, with how they would say things. Well, I didn't say this. Okay, a good example. When I was growing up, we had this rule in our house that when you promise something, it had to be uh, done or you would get the punishment. And the punishment was a spanking. And it applied to everybody. It applied to my mom and my dad, as well as it applied to me and my brother. And the idea was, my parents were trying to teach us to be men of your word. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. Uh, one of the most memorable times, my dad uh, tells the story often, uh, he promised to get us a Slurpee uh, on, uh, on his way home from work. We were all at home. We love Slurpees. Who doesn't, right? This is America. And uh, we, we, he, we wanted a Slurpee. He promised to get us a Slurpee. Well, uh, he, he got distracted or whatever. He got all the way home, and he realized he hadn't bought a Slurpees, because that's what we were expecting. We didn't care if Dad came home. We just wanted the Slurpees, and Dad came home without the Slurpees, and we got the thing that we didn't want. Uh, and so there was, a, there was a dilemma here. What is Dad going to do? Dad promised that he was going to bring Slurpees home. Now, Dad could have gone back in the car and gotten you know, got himself a 7-Eleven, but he said, you know, I'll just take the punishment there, but we got to spank Dad. And, you know, that was almost better than having a slip He's getting to, you know, to fuck Dad. But he was teaching us there that you, you've got to be a man of your word. Now, promise to say that, to say, I promise this, is basically saying an oath. It's swearing to something, saying, I will do this under threat of penalty. That's what an oath does. Uh, it's a formal promise that binds someone to do what they said or as they said, under threat of penalty. In its purpose, Grant Osborne said, is to anchor the truth value of a statement. To, it could be the truth, but now I want you to know that it's the truth by anchoring it down here, by giving it an oath, by making it a promise. Matthew Henry wrote about swearing. In swearing, we pawn the truth of something that is known to confirm the truth of something doubtful or unknown. We appeal to a greater knowledge 
to a higher court and implicate the vengeance of a righteous judge if we swear deceitfully. That's why we read these verses in Matthew 5 that Jesus says don't swear by these different things because they're calling on something of a higher, in their view, of a higher uh, level than what they are and say, uh, it, it's basically like what we say at the end of uh, maybe the presidential oath, so help me God. It's saying that God is my judge, God is my witness, if I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's, that's what we're saying. And all of these different uh, these different phrasings that we use are oaths. There's there it is to swear to something. So then as I said earlier, to forswear, it means to denounce that oath or to perjure yourself. Now another term that we don't necessarily see in Jesus' passage here, but we have read about it in Numbers, is this thing of a vow. And we're a little bit more familiar with vows. Vows are basically just conditional promises and the most, uh, the most common example would be the marriage vows, and it is an if you will, then I will, and it's a condition. To swear something or to make an oath is not conditional. I will do this, period. And, I, and to show you that I to promise that it's going to be done, there is going to be a penalty if I don't do it. I'm going to die. So I'm going to make sure I do it so I don't die. Uh, but a vow is, if you'll have me, I'll have you. You can't marry someone who won't marry you back, right? You can't make these vows to love, honor, and protect, and support, and all these things if the other person says, I don't really want to be with you. You can't, you can't commit, keep those vows. So a vow is a conditional, uh, but Jesus doesn't necessarily talk about those, but a lot of that uh, does relate to uh, what we're talking about. Now, let's look at what Jesus says. Now, he's always he's, he's established this pattern. You've heard this, but I said, and then he will sometimes follow with an illustration. He doesn't necessarily give illustration here, but in his teaching, he does help us with that a little bit. So with that historical understanding of what vows are and what oaths are and how they were used, I'll, I'll come back to that even a little bit more in just a minute. Uh, what does Jesus say about this passage? We said that we, we, Jesus quotes here, not a verse, but a teaching about verses, and then he gets into verse number 32. But I say it. It almost makes it sound like he's going to contradict what is being said. And if we don't understand the background, that's exactly what it sounds like. Whosoever shall, I'm sorry, wrong verse, uh, verse number 34. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. He says, hey, don't swear at all. He basically gives us two instructions here. The first one, don't swear at all. And the second one there has been found in the last verse, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more of these cometh from evil. So the first thing he tells us is that, hey, don't, don't take oaths. Don't swear at all. Now that seems to contradict everything that we've just read in the Old Testament, specifically about what God said, I do. Now, we will come back to that and try to and try to answer that in just a moment, but get that get that understanding first. Jesus says, firstly, don't swear at all. And number two, he says, let what you say simply be yes, yes, or no, no. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Don't have to confirm it. Don't speak in such a way that someone has to say, I don't know if I believe you or not. Give me an oath. Give me a give me a pledge. Uh, give me give me something that will verify that what you're saying is true. Swear to it by your life, and then I'll know that you're telling me the truth. Promise to die if you don't keep your word, or else I won't believe you. And Jesus says, "Don't talk like that. Just say what you're going to say and mean it." 
And if you say you're going to do something, do it. And if you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. It's just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, well, what did you mean by that? Remember back in the 90s? Well, it depends on what the definition of the word is. is. Stop doing that, he says. And just whatever, if yes means yes and no means no. Remember when we were little kids, we'd say, well, yes means no and no means yes. And we go and ask our parents stuff. And then we try to get them all confused. And then they just get they just get all like, flustered. Say, no, no, no. Just, just stop. Yes means yes and no means no. And if I say yes, then I mean yes. Uh, one of the greatest conversations I have with my children is maybe. What does maybe mean? Maybe. Maybe yes. Maybe no. Probably no. Depending on how I feel right now. Uh, but I don't want to say no because I don't want to have to deal with all that. So I just say maybe. And as they grow older, they realize when dad says maybe, he usually means no. But I just don't. I'm, I'm trying to cushion that a little bit. That's what maybe means, just cushioning the no for now, uh, because it, it's kind of like letting you hang on to a little bit of hope before I cut you off and say, no, I'm Jack, can we watch a movie? It's 11.30 at night. Maybe. Go to bed. Uh, that, that's that's kind of what I mean by that. Uh, so the, the, uh, the, the teaching that Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is, firstly, we've got to speak pl plainly and clearly. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and don't try to, well, let, me, let me move on and, and, and explain what Jesus meant, uh, what he's teaching here, and I think it'll, it'll make a little bit more sense. The error of the current interpretation here was that they emphasized the wrong part of Scripture, uh, it was a, and it was too limited, much like they did everywhere else. Remember, at the very beginning, we looked at Jesus said, okay, you've heard it said before, uh, don't kill. And if you kill, you're in danger of the judgment. And there were two passages there that they used to say, all right, don't kill anybody or else you'll be in trouble. And Jesus said, yeah, but there's more to it than that. If you're even angry in your heart, you're, you've committed murder. So, And it's not just that you're in danger of man's judgment, you're in danger of God's judgment. And so he raised it back to its original level. Uh, man had kind of chopped it all up into little kindergarten things. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is a much higher level of understanding. Let me elevate it back to where it belongs. Let me put it back at the level it belongs. That's the same thing he's done here. They said, okay, don't swear to God and then break your promises to God. But the emphasis was on that, to God. As long as it's to God, don't break your promise. But what Jesus is saying here is, don't break your promise to anybody. Don't lie to anybody. It was don't lie to the Lord versus don't lie at all. Don't swear to God and not keep your promise. Jesus says, tell everybody the truth. You know, just because you didn't tell God and you told it to a man doesn't mean you're no longer bound to the truth by that. Uh, let's, let, I want to turn to Matthew 23. Jesus talks about this, and I hesitated to, to move into this because we're going to eventually be there, probably six years from now or something, by the way we're going, we work through Matthew. But Matthew 23 and verse 16 does give us quite a bit of, a, of an understanding and a little bit of an insight to what, what's been going on over the years in this time. Matthew 23, Matthew 23 and verse number 16. He's speaking to the scribes, the Pharisees here. He says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say... Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a dead. Ye fools and blind. For whether is greater, the gold or the temple which sanctifies the gold. And whosoever, this is them saying it again, whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye 
fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift of the altar, the sanctified the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. And he goes on, and he's listing all of these woes to the scribes and the Pharisees, but in just this little passage, we see how they had kind of treated this, uh, this, this practice of swearing. Uh, in order to avoid taking God's name in vain by profaning it, remember, even in those times, they wouldn't even, uh, they wouldn't even say it or write it all the way. It was, they were trying to keep God's name holy and special, and so they said, hey, don't break your vows to God. And don't swear by God, because as soon as you bring God into this conversation, you have to keep what you're going to say. So if you're not really sure that you want to do what you say you're going to do, don't bring God into this. So use something else. Use something like heaven, or use something like by the temple, or use something by the, the gold of the temple. or something. Swear by those things, because they're not as binding as being as swearing by God. But then even, even with those things, they established a list, a hierarchy, if you will, of what is binding and what is not. Notice what he had said there. He said that, uh, that basically he identified the loopholes that they had created to get out of what they had promised. Using, and everything depended on the exact language used when the original promise was made. For instance, if you swear by the temple, it doesn't mean anything. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, now you better keep your promise. If you swear by the altar, doesn't mean anything. But if you swear by the gift that is on the altar, now we're talking, now we're serious. So if we all lived in Jesus' day and, and someone came up to you and said, I swear by the temple, you might as well not even say anything because they could break their word on that. It sounds good because I well, swore by the temple of God that he's going to bring home Slurpees from church. But he only swore by the temple, so he may not do it. But no, 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 he swore by the, the, the gold in the temple. You see how silly this sounds. Like, we're, we're looking, I'm, I'm swearing by the black uh, shades, uh, and that is more binding than swearing by the old clock on the wall. Like, well, but yeah, but you didn't swear by the microphone, and so, I mean, that would be to really, to really show us that you mean it, you would swear by the carpet. And all of these different things. And that's what Jesus is saying, guys. Guys, if you swear by the temple, you swear by everything in the temple. And if you swear by God, I'm sorry, if you swear by heaven, you swear by God who lives in heaven. It's God's throne. And if you, and you, everything is God's. And that's what he says in Matthew 5. He says, swear not by, uh, back in verse number uh, 30, uh, 35 there, uh, don't swear by heaven, it's God's throne. Don't swear by earth, it's his footstool. Don't swear by uh, the, the, the Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. There's some there's some uh, background there that if they were looking towards the direction of Jerusalem, then it was binding. So if Jerusalem is that way, if I'm facing this way, it doesn't matter. But if I'm so oh, then he's facing east. Now he means, you know, he means what he's saying. Jesus says that. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. God is connected to that. He says, notice in the last one here, don't even swear by your own head. Saying, all right, I, if, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's just not in the old in the old Hebrew, if I'm lying, I'm dying. But they said, hey, Jesus said, you don't even have the authority to change the color of your hair. He's not talking about hair dye and stuff. He's saying, God made your hair the way it was. God did that. God is sovereign over all of this. You really have nothing by which you can claim is yours. Back to Matthew Henry said that when we when we swear something, we are pawning the truth of something to validate the truth of this. And Jesus basically says, you don't have that to pawn it. I can't take your card out of the pawn shop and pawn it. It's not mine. 
Jesus said, the hair on your head is not yours. The, the, the gift in the temple is not yours. The temple itself is not yours. Heaven, earth, none of these things are yours, so don't swear at all. If we remember again that Jesus is not changing the law, requiring something different than what the law originally meant, then we see that Jesus is not universally condemning or forbidding the use of oaths or swearing. Now, if we keep it isolated to just this passage, we say, well, yeah, he says don't swear at all. We're going to come back to this a little bit tonight, but let me let me try to explain just briefly what he's what, what the intent, the full meaning is, and come back tonight and we'll get a better meaning of that. But in other words, if Jesus is not teaching anything new now, Matthew 5, then what was being taught all throughout the Old Testament truly being taught by the scriptures, not by man, but if Jesus is not going to contradict anything that the Old Testament scriptures taught, then whatever he's requiring them to do now is what should have been being done this whole time. You follow what I'm saying there? He's not saying, all right, now up to this point it's been one way, but now it needs to be this way. The truth is that it should have always been a certain way, and let me tell you what that truth is, and, he, and this is what he's saying, so we're not by all. Uh, and throughout the Old Testament, there's a bunch of verses, we won't even be able to look at them all tonight, there is a positive mention of swearing an oath, specifically God himself swearing by oaths. What does that mean? How does that, how does that play? Um, that is for tonight, but let me simply get the, the main point of what Jesus is saying. So these two things that Jesus says, don't swear at all, and let your yes be yes. Let me focus on the second one here. Simply say what you say and mean what you mean. Say what you mean, mean what you say. If you're going to do it, then say you'll do it. If you're not going to do it, then don't say you're not going to do it. And if you say you're going to do it, do it. And just like I said when I was growing up, that you have to promise. You know what had happened over time? And this just is a perfectly example of, of what happened in Bible times. So my parents taught me that if you promise something, you have to keep it. So what did we do? As long as I didn't say I promise, I didn't have to do what I said. But once I stamped it with an I promise... Have you ever been told someone, you tell someone something and they say, well, do you promise? I shouldn't have to promise. I'm a Christian. I say the truth. I speak the truth. But if you need a promise, then I'll give you a promise. I promise I'm going to do that. That's the same thing. And over time, we, get, we become so dependent on the, the validation rather than the truth itself. I, I need some type of a promise. That's why Jesus said the Jews require a sign. They can't just believe God. They need some kind of sign from God to really stamp it. Remember Gideon? Hey, Gideon, I want you to, de to, to uh, deliver Israel from their enemies. Uh, well, are you really sure that you want me to do it? Yeah, I'm the angel of the Lord. I'm coming here. This is all you This is all you should need. Well, okay, look, well, here's, I need a sign. Here's a fleece. Make it wet, but nothing around it wet. He comes back and it's wet. Well, do you believe me now? Well, yeah, but let me just have another, I want another swear, I want another oath, make everything else wet, but not that. And then finally he gets it, okay, God, you're going to do this. Really, we should believe God without all the signs. We shouldn't have to have all of these wonders and miracles and, okay, God, if you want me to do this, then I want you to uh, make it snow in March in New York. It's going to happen whether or not you pray for it or not, isn't it? Well, okay, God, if you really, I want you to make it 70 and sunny in March in the earth. Well, that happened too this week. You know, all these things happen. We, sometimes we use these types of things to try to get what we want, and that's what that's what how they were doing it the other way around, saying, okay, I'm going to tell you something, but I need to leave an escape clause. 
So I'm going to say it, and I'm going to specifically say it this way, so that later, if I need to come back and change my mind, it's what politicians do all the time. But unfortunately, it's what we as Christians do as well. Yeah, but I, when I said this, I said it, and I meant it this way. And since I didn't say these specific words, I didn't really mean it that way. I'm sorry if you misunderstood what I said, but it's not what I meant, and we're using all of this legal mumbo-jumbo, if you will, to, to keep everything stacked in our corner so that we don't offend, so that we can get out of things if we want to. And Jesus says, listen, let's just knock it all down to level and say, Christians, let's just start saying what we mean and mean exactly what we say. And when we're going to say we're going to do something, let's do it. And when we say we're not going to do something, don't do it then. And don't, need, don't live in such a way that you don't have to have a validation. Live in such a way that when you say something to your neighbor, they believe you simply because you said it. Live, do, you, do you know anybody in your life like that? That when they say something, that's, that, that's what it means. I mean, do you know anybody like that? Hopefully you know people like that. Hopefully there are people in this room that when Joe says he's going to do something, it happens. When, when Tom says he's going to do something, it happens. When, when, when Mary says that this isn't going to happen, then this is not going to happen. And they wouldn't say it unless they meant it. And, and we don't need But we also know people the other way around. Well, yeah, I know he said this, but I know he said he was going to be here by 7. So he'll probably be here on 725, 726. But then there are other people, hey, I, when they said they're going to be here at this time, they're going to be here at this time. We all know people both sides like that. And Jesus is saying, we've got to be people of our word. When Jesus says, or Jesus says, when we say do this, then do this, don't do this. And, and when you're called on it, when you mess up, because, hey, we're fallen creatures, we're sinful people. And when, we re when, when, it, when that fallen nature reveals itself and we don't do exactly as our word said we were going to do, don't back out and say, well, I know, but I didn't mean it this way. I mean, so just confront it and say it is what it is. I'm a fallen person. I'm a, I'm a sinner, and I apologize and confess that sin before the person and to God and, and move on. But it ought to be the, the, that we say what we say and mean what we mean. This is what Jesus wants, and it's a teaching on personal integrity. Do we have any integrity with what we say? If you were to ask the people in your life, if we were to ask the people in your life, when such and such person speaks, can they be believed? When they say this, can you count on that? When they say this, do you expect this or do you kind of wait? You know, you know how it is. Well, I take it with a grain of salt. Christians should never have to have that said about them. I take that with a grain of salt. Why? Because it means I can't believe everything that they say. I'll wait and see how that works out. It should never be said of Christians. And that's what Jesus, exactly what he's saying here. Now with the truths about anger and lust still ringing in our ears, reminding us of our guilt and our failure to perfectly keep God's law in those areas, Jesus adds another sin to this ever-growing list. We are all guilty of exchanging the truth for a lie whenever it is convenient for our situation. We've all bent the truth at times to suit our needs. We're all guilty of telling the occasional white lie, as we like to call it, somehow believing that lies of one color are not as bad as lies 
of a different color. Jesus reminds us here of yet another area in which we fall short, and yet another reason that we desperately need God's mercy. But the thing is that he who calls us to walk in the truth, he calls us to speak it and to live by it. It's not, is it not the very faithfulness and the reliability of God's words that give us the confidence and hope of our salvation? Isn't that what we depend on is the very infallibility of what God said? God said it and he means this. And God said that and he means that. And when God said he's going to save me, if I put my faith in him, I believe that. If we can't believe God, then we have nothing. And as his followers, we ought to be the same. We depend on the very words that God said to live the Christian life. Jesus said, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. How can we live by something that is not always true? Jesus said God's word is truth. And it's by those very words of truth that we heard the good news of hope and salvation in Christ. We rely on that truth. We depend on that truth. We live by those truths. And it is because God is truth. Because God cannot lie. We can trust him. So may we as his followers desire truth. May we refuse and reject the lies and deceit in our conversations. May we simply say what we mean and mean what we, what we say. Say what we'll do and then do it. May we live so that our every word is believed. John Calvin wrote, let us be men who have nothing in our, in, on their tongue but what is in their heart. As we go from this place, as we go to work, as you go to school, in your neighborhood, wherever you may be, let's take up the words of Proverbs 8 and simply say, my mouth shall speak truth.